0: Welcome to The Markets. Dateline, Chicago, Friday, September 20. Hello again, along with Max Armstrong, I'm Orion Samuelson, here for our weekly get-together to look at markets from Wall Street to feedlots to wheat fields. We do this every week, and we appreciate very much having you along with us. But uh, Markets get confusing more and more every week. I I just want to comment on today's activity on Wall Street. The market, stock market that is, dropped after China canceled a trip to farmland in Montana. The feeling among traders that would be a negative for the upcoming China-U.S. trade talks. Now, I could understand if they were talking about agricultural products, but they were talking about the stock market. So let's take a look at the numbers on Wall Street today. And uh, we always check that to begin with. And the Dow Industrial Average ended the day down 166 points at 26,928. The S&P 500 down nearly 16 points, ending at 2,991. The Nasdaq down 69 points at 81.13. And the three major indices snapped a three-week winning streak with today's trade. For the week, the S&P 500 fell half a percent. The Dow lost a little over 1%, and the Nasdaq declined nearly three-quarters of a percent. So again, looking at some of the reasons for today's activity, Wall Street down after the Chinese agricultural delegation canceled a planned visit to Montana next week, and that dampened optimism about U.S.-China trade talks even though they were just going to focus on the agricultural situation. So the uh, delegates who had been set to visit U.S. farm states will return to China sooner than originally scheduled. That according to the Montana Farm Bureau, and I don't see anything all that unusual about that decision by the Chinese delegation. But major stock indices fell into negative territory after the cancellation, which came as trade talks were held in Washington this week. And in October, U.S.-China negotiators will be taking a look once again at the trade situation between China and the United States. The one other interesting thing about this This same week, something that's been happening annually for, I think, two or three decades, the Taiwan Goodwill Mission members... They were here for their annual visit, and uh, I have been along on that goodwill mission several times here in this country as well as in Taiwan, and they did sign an agreement to continue purchases of U.S. corn. I realize Taiwan is a, uh, not a part of the China uh, situation, but uh, the visit to farm country and to Washington this week as part of their biannual pledge to continue purchasing U.S. corn and U.S. distillers' dried grains with uh, solubles between 2020 and 2021. Taiwan signed a memorandum of understanding committing to purchase 5 million metric tons of U.S. corn and 500,000 tons of U.S. distillers' dried grains, with the solubles extending their stable buying commitment for another two years. The signing ceremony was held at the U.S. Capitol this week. Now, let's get back to uh, the activity today. For months, Wall Street has bounced up and down with signs of improvement or deterioration in trade talks often based on comments or tweets from President Trump and a cycle investors have grown accustomed to. In this case, it's a bit more concerning because it's China making the decision rather than President Trump. Eight of the 11 major S&P sectors fell today and the S&P 500 Consumer Discretionary Index and tariff-sensitive S&P 500 Information Technology Index down today. And Netflix tumbled 5.5% after CEO Reed Hastings made comments underscoring growing costs and rising competition from Walt Disney Company apple incorporated and other video streaming services and then adding to the woes of netflix evercore said recent data painted an uncertain picture of the company's international subscriber growth and the drug healthcare index which has been the worst performing s&p sector again this year clocked the biggest gain among the 11 major sectors, up six-tenths of a percent. Merck and Company gained one and a half percent after the company's drugs received FDA approval for use in certain adult patients. And advancing issues, outnumbered declining ones on the NYSE today by a 101 to 1 ratio, And on the NASDAQ, by a 1.03 to 1 ratio. So, uh, now that we've taken a look at what happened today to wind down the trading week on Wall Street, let's take a look ahead to next week. On the U.S. economic tap, the Commerce Department will release final reading of gross domestic product for the second quarter. That will happen on Thursday, and the country's economy expected to expand at a 2 percent annualized rate in the quarter, similar to its second reading. The Commerce Department on Friday expected to report consumer spending rose three-tenths of a percent in August. Core personal consumption expenditures price index likely to have risen two-tenths of a percent. On Wednesday, the department is likely to report new home sales for August rose nearly four percent to an annual rate of 660,000 after they dropped 12.8 percent to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 635,000 units. In the month before, the Commerce Department on Tuesday likely to report its Consumer Confidence Index in September fell to a reading of 134, down from 135.1 in August. Thursday, the Labor Department expected to report initial jobless claims for the week ended September, September 21st rose to 212,000 from 208,000 in the week before. And also, the National Association of Realtors' pending home sales index likely went up 1% after dropping 2.5% in the month before. Some of the other activities that are coming up this week that will get the attention of traders on Wall Street, Nike is slated to show an increase in first quarter sales and profit on Tuesday, powered by its momentum in North America and China. Uber Technologies licenses in London expires on Wednesday. The app received a probationary license in 2018 after being stripped of its right to operate in the capital of of London due to failures found by London's transport regulators. And there'll be a ton of appearances next week by governors of the Federal Reserve. As a matter of fact, it takes up a full page on my schedule. So there'll be a lot going on with more statements from the Fed And will they talk about the other drop in the interest rate this month? We'll wait and see. Micron technology expected to post a decline in its fourth quarter revenue on Thursday. The protracted China-U.S. trade war has had an impact on the semiconductor industry, leading to a slump in sales. ConAgra brands expected to post an increase in first quarter revenue on Thursday. However, the focus will be on Pinnacle Foods it bought last year and on the extent of improvement in the business. Investors also on the lookout for updates on full-year outlook at ConAgra. Tuesday, Manchester United expected to report higher annual revenue, although profit may be pressured as it bolstered the amount of compensation after sacking one of the players in December. And global grain trader Cargill will release its fiscal 2020 first quarter earnings on Thursday. The earnings report comes after the company reported a fourth quarter 41% slump in adjusted quarterly profit. So a lot to keep track of next week, a little bit on the foreign scene as well we'll be focusing on Brazil because statistics agency likely to report consumer price index for mid-September on Tuesday in Brazil, and Mexico's national statistics agency expected to report consumer price index for the first half of September on Tuesday. So, A lot going on, even though it's not an earnings report season, but uh, we'll come back to take a look at the agricultural market sector when we continue on the markets.
1: Your best defense against breast cancer is a mammogram. I'm Dr. Sandy Goldberg, a breast cancer survivor and founder of a Silver Lining Foundation. An early detection saved my life. Are you uninsured? Are you underinsured? Are you a survivor and need follow-up testing? Feel like you have nowhere to turn? Times are tough, but getting a mammogram shouldn't be. Call us at 312-345-1322. A Silver Lining Foundation is here to help.
2: We're pleased to have as our guest in the studio this weekend from Golkey Group, the man himself, Jerry okay. Golkey. Welcome back. Thank you. You were out roaming the countryside in right. recent weeks. You right. drove uh, several hundred miles. Yes. What did you see?
1: Well, I drove through uh, left Illinois, northern Illinois and drove through um, uh, you know parts of. Uh, well, I drove straight through west of Iowa instead of taking the interstate. I went Route 20 and then up through South Dakota and then into North Dakota. And then back uh, where I grew up in Allendale, went through that area and then back around a different route on the way back, so I traveled about twelve hundred miles and and i was I was astonished at what I saw in some cases uh like um, I would probably trade some of my crop for the crop that uh, my uh, cousin farms in North Dakota the old farm farm place I had very good corn crop. He got the crop in early didn't it, it absorbs the rain and um um you know that that land is not supposed to produce 160, 170 bushel corn. Uh, maybe further east in Red River Valley, but then uh, you go further north in North Dakota. have been there a couple times along the Red River Valley, and you just gotta wonder. Um, you know, uh, beans are still short, corn is questionable, and I live there. You know, get um, by October 1st and without a frost, and you're you live on a borrowed time. So, a lot of unknowns. Just like the market has been telling us right along, and everybody else is looking. So, nothing, uh, nothing. Nothing that wowed me except one field in Iowa. I saw a field that says, also, this is what a good corn crop looks like. And I lifted an ear, and it was heavy compared to mine in Illinois. We've done a lot of checks in Illinois. Uh, You you look at a cob, it looks long, but the weight isn't there, but it's not mature yet. This stuff in Iowa that I saw, I was probably in the banana belt of the world because it looked like 240, 260 corn. But it was big ears and heavy, and um, I doubt whether mine will get there.
2: So if the crop gets mature, is that yield there that USDA is estimating? What's your gut feeling?
1: Yeah, so far we've seen some uh, problems with the, even the early corn. The stuff planted in April, um, the, um, uh, it's mature, it's going to dent, it'll make it, of course. It's being harvested in some place in Illinois now. But, but the crops are something uh, to the magnitude of 20 to 40 bushels less than last year. We see um, um, cobs not forming you know you can count the population uh, just about everywhere, and you'll say well i i got i got thirty four thousand stocks or thirty thousand stocks, but only twenty eight thousand or thirty thousand viable combinable ears now, my question is what did the u s g a see Did they see a stock with an ear on it? Did they roll it back and say that's a half an ear or is that potentially a big ear uh, so when we 're harvesting this stuff, the early crop is has been hurt a little bit. And the late crop looks like, um, it looks great, you know, even in South Dakota, uh, along I-90 west of Sioux Falls, a crop looks like, wow, it looks great, but, but not, not for, uh, not, not for September, you know. So I, it has the potential and that's the problem we have out there is, uh, we've been asked and the, uh, farmers have been asked, so all things being equal, good, good weather from here, no early frost, what's the potential? And, and you kind of shrug your shoulders and you say, you know, it, it might be, it might be APH or better. And uh, yet when you get out in the field, uh, you just got to wonder, scratch your head. Even if a a late frost, some of this isn't going to make it.
2: We are having nice warm weather here. These temperatures have been just ideal, have they not, for advancing this crop in a late season?
1: Yes, and uh, unless there's been damage done already. And certainly uh, I think it's helping that late crop. I forget the number of acres, but a significant amount of of 40% or 30-some percent of the crop was planted after June 5th uh in years past that never happens you know i didn't want to plant corn after may 25th and so we'll see and we've not had a year like this in the past where it's been too wet and been damaged like that and this late of a year 2009 comes to memory it took all year all harvest to finally realize that crop wasn't there and maybe that's where we're at now we've got to roll the combines and and see what we have and goodness i'd hate to I'd hate to have the unknowns out there until January of 2020. You know, that's a long time yet.
2: As combines do start rolling more and more, and we get more of those reports from the cab, Mm -hmm. will that move the market?
1: Uh, I think so. uh, In in corn, you know, it's low enough now that I think the market is – uh, underestimating uh, what has happened with the late crop. There's not that early harvested corn to fill that pipeline to sell some stuff. Uh, on on uh, on Thursday, we had really good exports finally in corn. So we're going to need to buy some corn to get it out of the country, maybe get back to normal uh, exports from, uh, they're going to be down from last year, even, even, even that, but still to fill it, you know, there's uh, 2.2 or 2.4 billion bushels of corn left over yet. They're having a hard time finding it. So We're gonna. I think that basis stays tight until we're well into it. Um, I I don't think that you're you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of harvest pressure because the farmers have grain bins, Uh, they know how to store this stuff. And if you've noticed, the large corporations, the large uh, the ABCDs of agriculture, are doing a lot of reshuffling in their in their risk management and in their buying of grain. They're just having a hard time handling these markets. You know, if we farmers have a hard time handling it. And you would think that well the professionals know what they're doing well they've they've kind of missed this one as well so there's some sense of urgency to get some hands on on some corn to get it yeah, get it out there and uh, uh, it would take a bigger bigger yield and I think we'll be suspect of uh, anything uh, near 170 for quite a while
2: have farmers cleared out their bins significantly enough to accommodate the crop.
1: Uh, I think they did up until that, you know, the August 30th is kind of a drop dead date for DP corn. Right. You know, you fish are cut bait. Either sell me the corn or pay storage and I pay a minimum, which, and a lot of guys sold it and then needed cash. Cash flow has been tight. We've heard that all year. Yep. Yep. And I know in North Dakota, I visited with some farmers and elevators and they brought a lot of old crop corn or uh, spring wheat into, har- in, into the crop just to, into the end of the year to make room for the new crop, which is of, of poor quality. So there was a lot of corn that was, um, Corn and beans, and some and the wheat, of course, was was sold for cash flow purposes. The bankers are not; um, they're concerned about the, the crop and about farmers holding too much. I think
2: now the soybean yield. There are a lot of green beans out there, and I've, I pointed that out to some growers. who yeah. said, "Yeah, but we've got a lot of pods. There are a lot of beans on those plants." Well, it seems
1: like there's some some fields that are as good as last year. I've got some that I'm quite surprised that the pods are there. Uh, But all through the traveling uh, through Iowa and places, there are places that have uh, their knee-high beans, they're green. Uh, We see a lot of anything that was planted in June can vary quite a bit depending on the rainfall. I've had six to eight inches of rain or something in the last three weeks. But um, uh, we saw a lot of 40 pod, 42, 44 pods in a plant that's maybe 26 inches high uh, that's green yet. And um, now did we count those pods and say they're all going to fill and they're all going to make it? Even those little clusters on top that look like, wow. I just put on five more pods. That must be another five bushels an acre or six. And all of a sudden, you know, in years past, we find out they, they, they aborted and they didn't make it. So that's really a crapshoot in the beans. And um, But when you look at what... What uh, Pro Farmer found, they found less pods, pretty consistently all over. Now USDA didn't find twenty five percent less, but I went through all the all the all the states, and they varied from minus ten percent to twelve to fifteen to twenty percent in some cases. Illinois got hurt pretty bad in that pod count. Uh, they say that usually after the uh, September te- uh, look at the pods, you'll, you'll the pod count will go up. And they've got a pretty good, um, weight on those, uh, kernels that are in there. And, um, that's really suspect. And, you know. The last uh, a month of, uh, of filling can change that uh, yield 10%. So I think we're probably down in around that 46 area. That makes sense. And in corn, uh, hopefully down to 166. I could argue that. I can't argue 160 without destroying a big I state. You know, uh, you get a good crop in, in Iowa, which they have a pretty good crop from last year, but not as good as I don't think USDA has, has reported. But when once you get far enough along, um, you know, in Illinois, they've taken 27 to 30 bushels an acre off of this year's crop per bushel versus last year. So you got to take that in consideration that these numbers we're seeing have already have some big discounts in it. Uh, big discounts made, from big numbers. Though. From big numbers, that's right. And um, but we are seeing uh, in early harvesting, uh, 40 to 60, in some places 70 bushels an acre less than last year. But well, last year my corn was 270, this year it's 200. And so that's still a pretty good deal, but not, you know, 70 bushels an acre times three bucks is $200 an acre less income, uh, gross income this year. That, we haven't discovered that yet, you know, how, how that's going to feel.
2: Just to shift gears a little bit, uh, how do you uh, assess the dryness in South America? What does that mean this early in the game? It's It's significant from the standpoint that some are not planting because it's so dry, but... Look at the calendars. It's yeah. still plenty early yeah. for them? And
1: and 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 if we if we get our crop down to forty six bushels an acre, we can cut the carryover down around five to five hundred million bushels. A big drops, not a, not a billion anymore. Uh, Some of like the USDA is at six forty, but each bushel is another eighty million uh, bushels. You know, so a couple of bushels, one hundred and sixty, that helps. Um, and then you get into South America, and uh, what we want to see is our crop not good enough to where we we don't care what happens, we want to say, you better have an average crop there to meet the world demand, uh, including China, that's even been reduced a little bit. So you look back over the years, and uh, South America as a whole, Argentina and Brazil in particular, have varied in crop production as much as 500 million bushels. Well, that's that's significant. If we have a poor crop and they don't have a good crop, they have a subpar crop for a change, then, then we've got some interesting times next spring. And uh, then maybe we get, you know, the, the thing we don't hear talked about at all, and I've been looking at it, is uh, um, a uh, bidding war, so to speak, between corn and soybeans in the United States. We've got it in our minds that we're going to plant 95 million acres of corn or 94, and we're going to go back up again in beans. Uh, it, it would be nice to see that well, we better be at a decent crop in corn and beans to, uh, to make sure we have enough supplies next fall. And that isn't on our radar yet, but when you think about it, we carried in a billion bushels into this crop, in beans we're going to carry out 500 million or 600 million significant less we carry a lot of beans yes and we and we carried into this year's crop almost 2.5 billion bushels of corn if we carry out 1.7 from last year that's 800 million bushels less corn next year at this time as we begin harvesting we had this year so that's a long way ahead but it's a futures market and, uh, and and that's what the market will be looking at and hopefully um Maybe uh, it couldn't happen to finer fellows, I guess, in South America to get a bad crop for a change. And China also is, is dry. Uh, Drew Lerner has been saying, and I think um, you know, we've looked at uh, that. We've been watching that quite a bit. They have not had a bad crop in China since 1994 when they bought the last batch of corn that took us to $5. I think it was back then and, um, for a short period of time. And then uh, so if they would get uh, – it, it's not critical yet, but it's concerning. And if we see China coming in here buying more corn or, or buying corn from us or even more beans than we thought, maybe they're looking over their shoulders thinking, uh, I can't afford to have a poor crop in my country and not have as many beans in South America. And the last thing they want is some sort of a feed shortage in their country. Uh, people aren't going to be real happy with that.
2: For all of the concerns about the trade war, that would take precedent.
1: Yeah, yeah. It would you know, it wouldn't wouldn't it be just, just uh uh lucky for Trump to have this thing all turn out to be Mother Nature's problem and he comes out of it smelling like a rose and says, See, if we hadn't had a tariff, why we'd
0: be out of corn by now, we're out of beans by now.
2: <laughs> we'll talk another day. Thanks, Jerry yeah. Goki. appreciate it. Jerry Gokie, Gokie Group.
0: In other agricultural market news this week, again, I have been reporting on the Chicago Board of Trade Grain Market for half a century. And I still don't fully understand the thinking of traders and what makes them move the market the way it moves. And uh, the agricultural community was also hit by the cancellation of that uh, China agricultural uh, uh, delegation to Montana not looked at as a good sign by grain traders at the Chicago Board of Trade. So checking more on the Board of Trade, Grain Trade, down more than 1% today to the lowest in a week on rising doubts about a breakthrough in U.S.-China trade talks and forecasts for favorable crop weather across the U.S.-Midwest. Corn and wheat also declined following soybeans, although both grains closed with modest weekly gains. Soybeans dropped to session lows after U.S. President Donald Trump said he wants a complete trade deal with China and that agricultural purchases from the Asian nation would not go far enough, adding that a comprehensive agreement would take time. Chinese importers revived soybean purchases from the U.S. last week ahead of the trade talks, but sales volumes were minimal, not enough to move the market very much. One trader said it's a token of goodwill and not anything that's going to uh, complete any kind of an agricultural deal. And with Chinese purchases well below normal, grain traders are weighing diminished demand against improving U.S. harvest prospects. We're continuing to hear from analysts and producers across the country that despite the late planting, these crops are coming along and coming along pretty good. And with our forecast from our TB meteorologist still holding, he says he does not see a frost until the end of October. And so for the day today, The December wheat crop down three and a quarter cents, December corn down one and three quarters, November soybeans down ten and three quarters cents, as traders seem to feel that soybeans are going to uh, benefit more from favorable weather than uh, the other crops. The uh, livestock story, the uh, summary for the September monthly cattle on feed data that came out Friday afternoon, and uh, the number of cattle on feed September 1st, 11,125,000, that was down 9%. And the number placed in August at 2,070,000, down 91 percent. Well, that was the last year's number, a little bit higher this year. And the number of cattle marketed in August, 1,953,000 head, and that's down 2 percent from a month ago. Lean hog futures dropped to their lowest prices in more than a week today as that Chinese agricultural delegation scrapped U.S. farm visits, planned to build goodwill during trade talks next week. Here again, canceled trip to Montana and Nebraska raised concerns that the trade war may drag on even longer. And the Montana Farm Bureau said the delegates will return to China sooner than originally planned. Markets ranging from soybeans and cattle to stocks also came under pressure from the news of the cancellation. So, at the end of the trading day today at the Mercantile Exchange, we saw the uh, December lean hog contract down a dollar seventy cents a hundredweight the October live cattle contract unchanged and the October feeder cattle contract up 67 cents a hundred weight. Well, I do want to mention uh, just a couple of other things. Since September 1, I've had the opportunity to uh, attend two iconic county fairs here in the United States. Uh, first week of September. The Sandwich Fair in Sandwich, Illinois, about uh, 60 uh, miles or so from downtown Chicago. Another successful year for that iconic fair. And the Courier and Ives Fairgrounds that really are so picturesque. And uh, their attendance was very good again this year. And then the second week of September, Spencer Iowa for the Clay County Fair which is the largest county fair I think I've ever attended, a huge agricultural equipment show and agricultural displays. So hats off to two iconic county fairs for being able to not only continue, but to build the fair activities. Well, that's our time. You have a great week, along with Max Armstrong, Ori and Samuelson, here on The Markets.